Sounding Board, the podcast about free trade, free markets, and free speech. And free whiskey? Yeah, no, it's funny you should say So first of all, thank you to all the listeners who've been sharing stuff. We've been, I know we joked about being the slowest growing podcast, but we have actually been growing and I've, I've been really busy at work recently, so I haven't really haven't had a chance to promote it at all. I'm terrible at marketing our stuff. So other, you know, you listeners obviously have been, so thank you very much. Um, one listener in particular has gone absolutely above and beyond. Um, we, we say all the time that we don't, we don't want anything from you. We don't want your money. Uh, you know, we don't need sponsorship or anything. You know, we do this for fun. All, all we ask is, well, we, we just want you to enjoy it. We just want you to yeah. enjoy the podcast as much as we enjoy making it. Uh, but one guy on Twitter just wouldn't kind of take no for an answer. And I, I, know every, I know every podcast host probably thinks that their listeners are the best. <laughs> but one of ours has sent us a bottle of scotch. Yeah, that's something. You know, not just not not just any any bottle of scotch either. This is a really really nice. I'm I'm so looking strength, forward to this. Um, Car strength bottle. Um, so yeah. So um, a big thank you to Lord Biddable of Wonk, otherwise known his as name, his name's Paul. Well, I know, and he's, he's 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 always going to be known to to me. Anyway, you know, yeah, you know some people are just are just known by their Twitter handles. Yeah, like like you know, like Count Dankula. Yes, know, the, 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 how that guy. I, I I don't know his real name, but I'm always going to know him as Count Dankula. Paul's always going to be known to me as, as Lord Biddable. That's just who I, who I think of him as. Um, but yeah, so, so Paul, thank, this is this is amazing. I'm going to crack this open now. I've been looking forward to this since since picking it up the other day. Um, so this right. Um, so normally, this, again for our for our listener, when when Andrew and I share a whiskey uh, of an evening of a of a podcast, good sound effects. Um, oh, smell that! Smell oh. that! This is this is amazing. But keep talking. Oh, yeah. Um, we're normally uh, drinking something that is in the region of um, kind of 40, 42%, something, something like that. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's the normal strength of a, of a scotch. So, so what, what happens is, uh, and I think because this is so strong, so this is 61.2%. This yeah. is strong even for a cast strength whiskey. Yeah. And I think this is something quite special. Um, so just to, just to kind of to, to let you know how um, you know if you don't already how, how kind of scotch is made um, or, or kind of whiskey in general is made. So what happens is you kind of you get your malted barley and you kind of make a mash, which is it's actually really similar to beer mm. at that stage. At that stage it is. Um, yeah. uh, so you kind of make your almost like like beer, and then it gets distilled and it can get distilled a number of times. So as there are exceptions, but as a rule, bourbon is distilled once. Scotch tends to be distilled, distilled twice. And Irish whiskey is distilled three times, mm. um, and you know when it once it's distilled, it's extraordinarily strong. Yeah, yeah we're talking kind of maybe eighty-five percent or something, something crazy, even more than that. Um, and then what happens is you kind of put it in the barrels and you leave it to sit in the barrel for, barrels for for a number of years. Um, and you can switch barrels. You can put it in in one barrel to start with, then a different type of barrel afterwards. Yeah, so they take on the flavour. Yeah, so this one, the barrel. this one is this is first fill ex bourbon barrels. Right. Um, so yeah. they will get they will get bourbon barrels from yeah from America somewhere, ship them over, and then but you can use sherry barrels that di- different other drinks that aren't whiskey. Yes, yeah, so, and, and the, the reason the reason that came about was uh, was cost. So originally, uh, you know, these these whiskey distillers couldn't afford their own barrels, mm. so they would buy cheap barrels that had been previously used for sherry um, and they would you know they kind of they'd put, they'd put the scotch very very strong in the barrels you'd leave it for a period of time and because alcohol evaporates at a, at a faster rate um, than, than anything else 
kind of goes in there like 85, 90% or whatever. Uh, and then over time, this is called, this is called it evaporates. It's called the, they call it the angel share. So the kind of the alcohol evaporates and it gets like, it gets slightly weaker. Um, and then what tends to happen is they'll, they'll, you know, they'll kind of perhaps water it down a little bit. You know, the, the, the master distiller will go around and he'll, he'll kind of think, yeah, okay, add, add a little bit of water to that, bring it down to perhaps 40% or whatever, because it might be 45, 47, 50% when it, you know, when it, when it finally gets there. Um, uh, and, but, but what happened with these sherry barrels is they, they kind of bought these sherry barrels, left, the, left them in there for, you know, for kind of eight, 12 years or whatever. Got the scotch out and thought this tastes this tastes better than regular barrels. Yes, it tastes so much better because the, the uh, you know it, it kind of takes the flavour from the sherry. What they do now is they they purposely fill uh, barrels with sherry yes. and leave it for longer than they should yes. to the point where they have to throw the sherry away um, because it's just undrinkable. But it kind of infuses exactly. in the barrels the wood, and, then yeah. it, and then it kind of goes into into the scotch. Now I've got some some other. I mean we've had it on this podcast before. It's about it's slightly stronger than that. It's about sixty four. 0.5 percent or something and some other cast strength yeah and that was that was a particularly special one because what what happens is the master distiller will kind of go around and he'll taste you know for, from from the barrels at, at certain points and normally you know whiskey's left in there for, for a number of years uh you know most single malts are you know they, they're kind of left for about 12 years you know Lagavulin is 16 you know some of the some of the whiskies can kind of can go even longer i mean you can spend thousands of pounds on whiskey that's been in there for say 50 or 60, 60 years, years yeah. it's really difficult to, to to keep it alcoholic at that stage because mm. obviously the angel share is going and going but some you know some some manage it and that's that's really expensive um this one is only eight years old mm. um which and and most people will think well hang on some of the some of the cheaper whiskies uh, like bells are young. And, and some of yeah. the young ones are, the other ones are young but what actually happens is the master distiller will go around taste the whiskies at some point and then sometimes you'll just think you know what? That's, that's fine. A good one. That's fine as it is. That one I had is five years old. So, it, like this, it's actually it's not because it hasn't been in there for that long. Uh, it's not that colourful. It's not. Yeah, that it's dark. very very clear, isn't it? Yeah. Well, what they do is they uh, they'll, they'll taste it and think, you know what? That's fine as it is. I'm not going to leave it any longer. And and like these single cask ones, we think, right, we're gonna we're gonna have that as a special, and, and we'll sell it off. So I think that's one of these. So should we just absolutely, give it a try? absolutely. Well, some of to, my to Paul. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, that's lovely. I've got some. I've got some water here. I've got a little jug of water. Oh, you water see, you, now. you I mean, you really don't need a lot of that. And this is where I, I tend not to add water. A lot of a lot of people do. I think that do, I think that does need some, but it's delicious. It, but it's powerful, isn't it? That that's that's very powerful. It's, it's got a lovely smell as well, isn't it? Yeah. No, that's. That's very, very tasty. I mean, it's, it's not. It's not. I wouldn't say it's. Yeah, you know, it's not fiery. It's not smoky. It's not. It's not. It's not peaty. That's the thing. A lot. Of, a lot of the time, when you, when you, because most of it's, the time, it's sweet. Most of the time, when, uh, when, when Scotch has been in there for only like a few years, mm. it will be. It can almost be like fire water. Mm. You know, it's like drinking ethanol because it hasn't. Yeah, you know, it hasn't got the flavors of the barrels in. This has got all the flavors. See, I'm in getting. Already. I'm getting all these lovely sweet flavors now. Come on, this is this is the other thing, isn't it? If, if whiskey drinkers don't get it, is it's, it's about the lasting flavour. It's about how the flavour develops over time. You don't just you don't just knock it back. You know this is this is to be enjoyed. The, the, the taste is different from sip to a minute later, yeah, or whatever. Just going back to water though, you can even with whiskies that you like. Um, I would advise anyone just at, at any point in time just get like a like a pipette or something. Yes. And even if you just put a drop or two of water mm. in your, scotch, I'm trying. 
that can that can transform it. Yes. Um, so yeah, this is this is amazing. Yeah, this is this is really quite good. I mean, the I must admit, some of my favourite whiskies. I'm going to put a tiny tiny bit in now. Give, give it a go. Uh, some of my favourite whiskies are those ones that you've talked about there, um, where. I love it when someone gives me a bottle and it's, you know, it's got a handwritten label and it's, you know, number 56 or whatever, or even, you know, even smaller. Yeah, numbers. so this is, this has got a number on it. This is a, yeah. this is a special one, I think. Um, and the thing is, is like, part of me wants to keep hold of it. But the other part, we just wants to enjoy drinking it. And so they're the ones that have all gone as well. I think the strongest I've got is 62%, I think. And I mean, when, when we, you know, we, when when it's convenient for us work-wise and stuff, we will do a Burns night, won't we? And sometimes we'll do Burns night at the complete completely wrong time of the year because we've missed it, at, you know, when it should be. Um, but we normally save those ones until the end of the night when we're on like our tenth or twelfth whiskey, um, and that's normally the moment you knock back something, cast strength, and that's when the room starts spinning, like, almost instantly. The beauty of these ones, though, is that you, because, because they are so strong, they do last forever. Yeah. You know, you can't, you know, you can, you, they're, they're just sipping whiskies. you'll have it with a little bit of water. You know, the one I've had uh, was a, a gift from a friend of mine, and I've had it for a couple of years or so, mm. um, whereas most of the time I can get through but stuff you see, really quickly. a harsh whiskey that's really strong will make me immediately cough. Yeah. But this doesn't. Just just try it with some water. Yeah, so I've how had, was that? Tell me yeah, how that was with a bit of water. Yeah, nice, nice. Okay. Really nice. Okay. You just need a, just need just a, a tiny, little tiny Just a little bit. drop. Anyway, let's, let's, let's chat about things we would normally chat about. Well, yes, that's the so longest whiskey segment we've ever done. It is, it is, but I've, I've enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about free speech for a change. How's that, by the way? With the water, it brings out the flavours, doesn't it? It's definitely an easier sip, but just, yeah. Just, just wait I'm a minute. I was going to say, this is it. You, you, I don't think you can just take a sip of whiskey and say this is what it tastes like. It, it takes a lot longer for you to appreciate it. Um, so I've got yeah, I've got all sorts of things going on now. But this, this is why I enjoy whiskey. Yes, yeah, this is this is lovely. This is very lovely. Anyway, I wanted to talk a little bit about free speech because we've had um, we've had a couple of things in the. Uh, in the news recently, um, the, the you know Darren Grimes has been in the news again. He's only twenty odd years old, and he seems to yeah. be getting investigated by the police. They have a vendetta. I, I don't know. Him. I don't know what it is about him that they that they dislike. He's just he's just a young lad. I mean, you and I are not his biggest fans, are we? Particularly, but obviously this 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 case. Well, the um, the electoral commission one was was nonsense, wasn't it? But this one now is so wide of the mark. The idea that an interviewer, a journalist, interviewing someone that said something that doesn't even qualify as inciting racial hatred should be under investigation for inciting racial hatred. It, it's just nonsense. And it, it did unite quite a lot of people that yeah. were un, unlikely bedfellows on Twitter, didn't it? I, I just can't believe... I mean, this is, this is just wrong on so many levels. I mean, for, for a start, how can... You know, how can an interviewer be held responsible for, for what, what somebody says? Are you, are, you now, are you now no longer allowed to, to publish an interview in full if the person yes. you're interviewing says something potentially wide of the mark? So this, I'm going to come back to what you said last time or the podcast before, where, where we talked a bit about this. 
and about the Twitter censorship I think we were talking about. And the concept that if you don't know that someone's lying or don't know someone's saying something bad in this case, then you can't form a better opinion about them. And so if you interviewed someone, and this was a recording, and so there was an opportunity to edit and then publish something that had been overall produced and had cuts to it. Uh, and, you know, when we do a podcast, we rarely cut anything. We record and then we, and then we post. But we're not doing this professionally. We're not interviewing other people. You might want to uh, you know, cut out some stuff that just doesn't work or that's not relevant. You might want to reorder it. If an interviewer has to cut out things that are, are potentially bad, and it, and it would have to be potentially because you'd have to always err on the side of caution, wouldn't you, as well, then people are going to be presented in the most perfect light. Well, you know, and you're not going to see whether or not they're bad people or not. Yeah, so I, I want to know if people are racist or not. Yep. And I want to form my own opinions. If someone says something, something racist, I would like to know so that I can. I want them. to be the judge of that, for starters. Yeah, and, and, but you know, let's, let's just cast our minds back a couple of years ago um, when George Eaton of the New Statesman yes. interviewed Sir Roger Scruton um, and did an absolute hatchet job on it. Yeah, and, and took he he you know he he quotes out of context. Massive massively. We've out of done context. a podcast on that. We by have. The way, way um, back when. Yeah, it kind of took him out of context. Um, you know, was kind of posting pictures on Instagram of him chugging champagne, saying. Oh. Well, that was because he'd been fired very quickly from a number of positions, wasn't it? That was he was celebrating what he considered to be a win after the effects of his. Of his, you know, piece. But he was still celebrating what he what he thought was an interview with someone who was racist. Yes. And he didn't get investigated or anything at all. No. You know, it seems it does. So again, it does seem to be one rule for the left, another rule for the right. Absolutely. Um, it's uh, you know, it's it, it's it's crazy. Um, but the the legislation they're using as well. It's some. It's it's a law from was the eighties. Public Order Act. Yeah, it's it's a law from the eighties. And it's, it's not 1984 again, is it? No, I think it's I think it might it's, I think it's like 87. It's like slightly <laughs> later, um, but they're they're using this law and and they're they were investigating him about inciting racial hatred. Yeah. Um, and I don't so you talk about not listening to a Brendan O'Neill podcast. Actually, no, this wasn't a Brendan O'Neill podcast. This was a spiked podcast I listened to. And Andrew, uh, just just for context, there you're refer- referencing a conversation we had before we started recording. So I haven't listened to. The last few read in the Neil podcast, but it's not that I'm. I will not listen to his podcast. <laughs> you know, all these, these conversations you and I have—they just merge into one. So I know. Before the podcast, Nick was telling me that yeah. he hadn't been listening to the. Um, I haven't listened to the last few. Yeah. Okay, so neither have I. But I was listening to a spiked podcast. Right. Um, and it had Andrew Doyle on it, and he was talking about yeah. this 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 law, and he said, "I I can't understand how anybody in Britain can be done under 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 this act." Because it's it's virtually impossible to incite racial hatred. Because as soon as you say anything in a tolerant country like Britain, as soon as you say anything remotely racist, you're turned on by the entire country. Yes. So you know you should you should at least have to prove that some some racial hatred has has actually been incited at this point, um, which is just right. Which is which is impossible to do, isn't it? Because look yes. what's happened. Everyone's kind of turned on him. Um, you know, so yeah, where are the people who are now being racist to other people as a result, as a result of listening of this to that? Correct. And that's what surely you would have to prove that it that it stemmed from that interview. But even then, even even then, why is it the fault of the journalist, not the person who spoke? 
I mean, this is almost getting onto their turf, isn't it? Because as far as we're concerned, no one should be prosecuted for what they said uh, or, or what they meant by it or anything like that. I hate, you know, anything involving intent. Intent is just thought crime, isn't it? If you, if you, if you have to prove intent. Well, you can never prove intent. How can you prove intent? No, you can. No, it's it's it's, it's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. Um, but yeah, so so ha, you know the, the the fact that he was kind of charged or you know wasn't charged, he was investigated for that. It's mm. just it's just ridiculous. But there there are, there are a number of different things wrong with it. I mean, one, like you say, the um, you know why is it the you know does does an interviewer have to act in a certain way? If he'd have challenged him on on this, and and it wasn't even. I mean, if you, if you if, I don't know if you listened to the interview, but David Starkey made a daft joke. Um, but I think he was. I don't think he was being racist himself. I think he was no. parodying racism. I think he was pretending to be a racist for 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 jokes, for giggles. Yes. And it just it just landed flat. It didn't didn't land at I all. I think it was just a really bad joke. Yeah. And yeah. And and uh, but you know, should if if Darren Grimes had have challenged him on that, would he still have been investigated? In which yeah. case, is is that is? But but then Georgine didn't challenge. Um, Sir Roger Scruton, you know, it, it was a perfectly nope. acceptable interview, and it was only kind of later on when he published it. Or, and, and, and but that again, though, that again, again, Scruton didn't say anything racist. No, it was, it was, it was chopped up, wasn't it? It was taken out of context. Uh, it was stuffed. It was whole whole chunks just completely removed. Um, it, it, <laughs> see, that that reminded me. Do you remember the uh, uh, the Homer Simpson uh, the, the Simpsons episode? Well, Homer gets accused of um, uh, sexual harassment, and is that with a gummy bear? he does, yeah, and he does exactly on on her on I can't remember who it is on some other characters um, um, behind, and then he does an interview. It's the Venus de Milo gummy bear. That's right, and he grass. does and he does an interview with uh, with the news, and the clocks and all are, the they clocks do, the yeah, background. exactly, and all they do is just chop it up. Into him just going, uh, <laughs> precious Venus, <laughs> and, all, and all of that. That that to me is what George Eaton did to to Roger Scruton, which is which is different to um, to Darren Grimes with with David Starkey. But it, but as you said, I think I think that anyone anyone with half a brain can tell that that's not what Starkey meant, not what he was saying, and can and can see around even or even if they don't see it straight away. If someone like you points out, can you can you see what he's he's doing there? He's almost trying to use the language of a racist or or the phrases that were popular in the past that are that are not right now, but he's trying to give some context to what he's saying, and he did it badly. But I, that that doesn't mean what he what he said was racist. The Georgian stuff though, it wasn't obvi- it wasn't obvious immediately that that's what he'd done though. That no, was, that was my point. So they didn't, no. they didn't investigate it and think, oh, "Hang on, let's let's investigate this to see if no. it wasn't." Well, the police, the police don't investigate people on the left. No, and that, that's my point. It's it's just so it's it's completely one sided. Yeah. Um, so so there's that. Um, another point is, you don't want actual racists to have legitimate grievances. You know, you don't you don't, ah. want, them, you don't want them to say, "Hang on, my my free speech is being curtailed here." You don't want them to have any you know to have any kind of. Okay, and this again is an argument. When when um, when people do, when people edit a video, uh, and I've seen this of Biden, yeah, when people make a video of Biden and they put all of the worst bits together, it's like you don't need to but, do that. And there's no need with Biden. E- exactly. Just to show any interview. Exactly. Um, you really don't need to do that. Um, let 
let let this, let these people speak for themselves they will they will trip over themselves if that's what they are and it's the answer is to listen to more of them or read more of them or watch more of them not just one little bit that you think might be bad i mean let's but let's just say that david starkey is a racist we, we, we know he isn't but or yeah we don't think he is but let's just let's just say that he is for the purposes yep. of, of this thought experiment if he if he is a racist do you, is it is it is it good that he says something racist on an interview and then everybody knows, or do you want it kind of pushed pushed away, brushed under the carpet yeah. so that nobody notices that he's racist? You want to know these things. You don't you don't want these things edited at all. Yep, and and this is why on uh, on Twitter when there's when there's outrage, and I don't mean outrage mob, but when there is general disgust uh, at what uh, let's say the critical race theory type type people are posting uh, at the at the moment um and saying fairly horrific things about uh, about whites uh, and, and and you know advocating segregation and racist policies I and mean, that is what they are um uh, my, my view is excellent thank you very much i now know you're one of those and i know to steer clear of you and never listen to anything you say um i i don't want to shut them down i don't i don't want to eat to to me, it's just about making little red flags and putting them with these people. And I'm not even saying that those people are irredeemable, actually. Um, I would be willing to hear anyone out and, and have them, this sounds bad, have them recant. If someone wants to change their mind because they have thought reasonably and want to go back and go, do you know what? What I said back then, I don't agree with my former self. I wouldn't say that now. I have, I have time for people like that. I have time for people who change their mind based on the changes of situations and learning and understanding and being exposed to, uh, you know, to more than just their minimal view. Well, yes, yeah, so Ben Shapiro is very good at that. He's got a whole page on his website about stupid things he's done and said in the past. Right. And he said, look, this is what I, tw- and this is what I tweeted in 2014. Mm. Uh, it was a dumb thing to say. I don't, I don't, you know, it's not my views now. And he'll often say, look, you know, and he'll often apologise to people. He's, he's kind of apologised in person and and on Twitter in the past for saying, you know, a few years ago I criticised you for this. I've changed my mind. I'm really sorry. It's not yeah. my view anymore. So he's he's good. He's, he's brilliant. He's brilliant at that. Um, but even even if um, I mean, we, yeah, we we talk about kind of kind of free speech and 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 you know, there's like yeah, certain things you can say, certain things, certain things you can't say. Mm. Even if there is like a almost like a universally held opinion, let's some, something like slavery is bad. Okay? okay, almost everyone on earth will agree that slavery is bad. I still don't want that kind of you know like entrenched in law or anything like no. that. No, um, because I mean, so, so to start off with, who decides? Yes, and then when you get well, that—that's always the. And argument. then when you get someone bad in charge, and they suddenly decide that actually slavery is okay. This is the opinion now. Um, everybody needs to think like this, or, or, or whatever. You know that that that's that's. But all you have to do if you down. if you if you put a a definition in like that, or no, that's the wrong term. I'm going to use that that word later. If you put that rule in, then all you have to do is change the definition of the words. And so, and, we, and again, we see that happening right now. The definition of racist, for one thing, definition of of, of Nazi, you know, is is being changed, is trying to be changed. All you have to do is define, uh, redefine slavery, and then, and you know, start getting these edge cases in that might mean that you can still say slavery is bad, but all these other things. Oh no, no, that's not slavery. That's not slavery. 
I mean, we can have a discussion on this about, you know, whether or not paying your taxes means yeah, you're, sure. you're a slave. Yeah, sure, your tax is 50%, 50% a slave. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so that, you know, that, that, that's one of, the, one of the main reasons. Also, you don't want to, you know, you need, if, if you drive opinions underground and you say, okay, this is no longer an opinion that you can have because you will be not only shunned and avoided by everybody, you'll be prosecuted by law. Yeah. You know, you drive these opinions underground. People who then have these opinions... If you want to create an echo chamber, that's the way to do it. Yeah, and they, they, they will no longer have their opinions challenged. So yes. they'll be in an echo chamber, they'll just be talking with like-minded people their entire lives, and they'll never get the opportunity to change their mind. We, you know, we need racists and bigots and people to be able to, to, to be free, to be able to, you know, to have discussions with you and I, and we can hopefully change their minds. You know, it might not be instant, it might not be straight away, but if they have enough of these conversations... I quite like the contrast as well. <laughs> you know, over, over time... Uh, hopefully they will change their mind, and you're not going to get that by pushing that pushing things underground. No, or banning them from a platform. What do you think about? Um, I know we've, we've we've mentioned this on a few podcasts, kind of recently. The the uh, the, the concept of, of of banning someone from a platform, a private platform. This is not based on any law. This is based on the independent rules that, for example, Twitter or Facebook or YouTube or whatever. Have come up with. I mean, it's 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 private platform, so in my in my opinion, they can do whatever they want. Although it's an outstandingly bad idea. Yeah, you know, yeah. Twitter used to be about free speech, and now it's about providing a safe space to people. Yeah, and that's that's when it falls down. When these so when these social media platforms, when they suddenly think, okay, we've got loads of users now, we need to keep everybody safe, and then that's when free speech takes a backseat, and then that's when they all go they all, they all head south. Yeah, yeah, Twitter used to be fantastic, you know, 10, 12 years ago. Um, and, and now it's just it's just not a patch on what it used to be. And I think Facebook's going down the same. I mean, I'm, I'm not on Facebook. I ha- yeah, I haven't used Facebook for years and years because it's just... It's, it's, but in terms of what they're trying to do and the measures they're trying to put in, in place to to try and control, to try and police, they... I mean, they must be seeing things like... I mean, and look, right, I suppose it's worth noting, as of, I think, maybe even today, uh, the Darren Grimes thing is, is over. The case is closed. They have ended that investigation, resulting in no one being even talked to, because it went up to a senior, a senior person who's gone, "You absolute moron!" <laughs> thank, thank God. Um, but in, in terms of what um, the social media companies were, they they must eye up these these police investigations, these court cases, or whatever, uh, and they must be keeping abreast of these of these changes in in the way that things are prosecuted because they they are they are seen now to be almost like the police almost like the courts in that they have to kind of build their little justice system into the platform well, yeah because they're behaving like publishers aren't they yeah and not, not just a platform but, for, for, for anybody to say whatever they want but i think it's more than that don't you think it's more than that don't you think what they're trying to do is create their own little justice system into the platform so it's not just about that they're they're transcending the idea of of editorship, I think. I mean, you know, there's talk now of independent panels, you know, that don't work for them, that are appointed. I mean, this is classic, classic um, politics. You know, suddenly, well, how do you get appointed to this panel? How do you stop groupthink on this? It's like having a Supreme Court for Twitter. Yeah. But they get to turn around and go. They don't work for us. They're independent. They're at arm's length. Uh, Here's how they're appointed, whatever. Uh, And when their decision is final, we don't make the decisions. They make the decisions. You outsource it to someone else. But 
that body, whatever you create, it's not going to be constituted in such a way that it cannot be infiltrated and won't be infiltrated by the absolute worst people. Well, it, it's impossible to do that. Uh, that is an impossible yeah. task. Um, so, yeah, it's... it's, it's, it's which, well, which is the same as, you know, you've got the Supreme Court at the moment with... Uh, I'm, I'm talking about the US now. Uh, Supreme Court in the US, uh, there is a vacancy uh, because a very prominent Democrat um, uh, has died. Um, uh, she was popular. Uh, been there for obviously years. It's the, these are lifetime appointments, uh, and it, it 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 just depends on what president's in power and what 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 party that pres that president is. Um, when that person dies, as to who then gets nominated, it, it's not it's not that the Democrats get so many seats and the Republicans get so many seats, and you know you've got to appoint a certain number of them or or anything like that. So obviously Trump's put forward a Republican. <laughs> Uh, because he is notionally <laughs> um, a Republican. But the, the, the idea that, that that isn't political, that those positions, those judges are not acting politically. I mean, let's face it, if this was a perfect world, which obviously it isn't, and we, we, we talk about that all the time, but those judges wouldn't have political opinions. If they're put into a position of power where they have to judge solely based on the Constitution, whether something's constitutional or not, that's basically all they are, the top constitutional court. That, that's, that's, a, that's not quite right, but you get what I'm saying. Um, why, why would they have an opinion on, um, on abortion or anything else when they've just got to look at the law that's in front of them? Well, so you talk about an, in an ideal world, there wouldn't just be one of these courts. So there'd be competition in a, in a complete free market. And if people were shown to make political decisions, nobody would use them. Yes. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go elsewhere, thanks. Yes, you know that, that's what would happen in a, in a in an ideal world. Yeah, it, it wouldn't it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be like this at all. And then they talk about you know there there was I think I think um, could uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's apparent, apparent allegedly her dying wish was that, <laughs> was that if she if she if she passed away before the election that you know Trump hold out or you know they, they wait until the election. It's like, you can't do that. That's not that's not you'll say it's it's whoever whoever the president is you know and and the thing is nominate somebody. The, the Democrats Biden Kamala Harris were just immediately saying no oh, you got to wait you got to wait you got to wait you got to wait but like it, it literally happened like four years ago or whatever didn't it of course it did and, and were, they were all out there going this is just the president's constitutional duty yeah they, they were giving all of the Barack same Obama is the president right now and it's yeah. his you know it's his duty to to he's to just following someone. he's just following the rules yeah of course. Um, and then talk, there's, there's all this talk about packing, packing pack, the court, packing the court as well, which is so. To be, I mean, I'm no fan of Republicans, but the filling of a vacancy isn't packing the court. No, packing the court is is what the the Democrats have been. Well, they've been challenged on this, and they haven't batted this away. Is when is changing the rules so they could say, okay, we're, yeah. add, we're adding another four more judges. Now we're in power. Yes. We're going to add another four more judges to tip to you know tip it in the. Yes, and they specifically not denied. And they haven't ruled that out at all. They've been questioned and questioned on it, yeah. and they haven't ruled it out. Um, Am I right in saying that the number of judges on the Supreme Court isn't a fixed number written down somewhere? I don't think it is, no. It's a bit like the House of Lords. This was often something yes. touted, um, that, um, that you know, David Cameron, back in the day, uh, if he wanted to get through... Um, to be honest, well, am I thinking about Brexit or not? I don't know, but... I remember there being talk that one way of getting something through the Lords uh, when there's not a majority of Conservative peers is just to appoint uh, you know, 600 more 
conservative peers. I remember at the time, this is this is, this is aging it specifically because I remember thinking at the time, I'll do it, <laughs> I'll do it, I'll go, I'll go in. I will, I will have no problem at all at that point being called a conservative peer. I'm there. I'll vote for anything you say. <laughs> I'll do that, and then I'll bugger off. I might turn up every for ten minutes every day and clock in and get like three hundred quid. But I thought that was a, a tremendously good idea. Bearing in mind that's how our democracy works. It depends. I mean, it, it, you've said before, on when we've talked about democracy, about how it can do whatever they like. It isn't that simple. It isn't that simple. They they can do what they can politically get away with. Would you agree with that statement? They can they can do they can do whatever they like. There's the political whether, there they, political, choose, whether they choose to do that or not is a different thing. There are political consequences to trying to do whatever they like. Yes, but they can still they could still. I mean, look look at look at what they've done this year in 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 the you know they've kind of they've they've stapled everyone in their homes for you know for six months. They can do whatever they like. You know, they might not do it. That doesn't mean they can't do it. Right, here's that's something. My, that's my point. Do you mind if I move on? Have you got more free speech well, stuff? Yes, I have. Just a little bit. So where do you where do you think the line should be drawn on free speech? Completely, completely open question. <laughs> um, I I have sympathy with um, where it's drawn in the US, where it's about imminent danger rather than you know you say something and someone might get annoyed with that in in three months time or whatever. Um, like inciting a riot, like whipping up a mob, um, but uh, and so as a, as a, you have sympathy. Where where do you where do you stand on that? Do you think actually? No, I think you just prosecute people for being a mob instead. I think I think. See, this is this, this is my point. That if if you if you have a law about inciting violence, that's kind of taking the responsible the responsibility away from the actually violent people. Yeah. It's like, well, I was incited. And it's taking agency away from from the, from the wrong people. Totally. And this whole, I oh, I hate this heat of the moment bullshit. If you pardon my French, this oh well I you know I, I I lost it for a moment type thing. Well, how about you you pay for your actions and maybe you try to have some self control next time. Yeah, there's been there's been lots. There was there was a like some investigation wasn't there by uh, some kind of left wing institution I think about the riots and it was the, the, they they basically had proven in in, uh, in in air quotes for our listener um, that all the people you know the, the vast majority of the people that were violent were just good people caught up in the moment. Caught up in the moment. It's like this when you're caught up in the moment. That's when you can tell whether you're a good person or not. These these weren't good people. These are people who just not yet had the opportunity to be bad. They're suddenly getting an opportunity and bang, they're there. So they're, they're not they're not good people at all. Um, just, <laughs> That's that is quite a sweeping statement you're making there, don't you think? You do, so is what, it, the evidence is there. <laughs> these are these are people. Do you think that these are violent people who've been violent against other individuals? You, you, right. Do you think then? Would you? This if, could if go. You, this could go over. If you were caught you up think, in the moment, what would you do? It depends on the moment, doesn't it? And this is what this is what this, this is, is not. This is not defence. This is not self-defence. This is, this is these are violent mobs, people like kind of looting, destroying buildings, you know, hitting people with bike locks. You know, these are on this. I don't think I, these are good I, people. On this, I agree wholeheartedly with you. I'm saying that conditions. Um, I suppose I'm asking the question: Can conditions exist that would turn the best person into you know into a, into a killer? Uh, what what are the conditions? You know, surely anyone can can 
can do evil things. Everyone is potential of evil of evil things. And we've, we've we've talked about this before. There's there's that book that I keep banging on about called Ordinary Men. Yes, I knew you were going to bring that up again. Um, but it's, and it's, it's a good thing to talk about. And it's it's within all of us. You know, if we were if we were in you know because there's Nazi the thin end of the wedge stuff. If we were it? in Nazi Germany in the 30s, we'd have probably been Nazis. Um, because speak you'd for be, yourself. You'd have, well, no, no, no. You know, the vast <laughs> probably you know the vast majority of people because you, you, you know you kind of brainwashed. Well, what's the what's the but, parallel right now? Most people are wearing masks. Most people are going along with the lockdown, because most of it's they want an easy life. They they want to follow the rules, and they don't want to be on the on the on the side that's getting beaten up or getting killed. But the point I was making is, so I think if you, it's it's within everybody to to, to be bad for sure. Yeah. But if you get to that stage, you are bad. Yes. Okay. And if you get to that stage really quickly by getting caught up in the moment for five minutes. Probably bad already, and without there being any threat on you at all, oh. if you then start destroying private property and hurting other people, then absolutely you're bad. Well, so that, that's the thing. It's 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 people. It's it's when I said they, the, they, the type I, of edge cases I'm talking about are like you know if your child's in danger or something, you know, properly properly serious. Of, of course, but the, the point I was making is it's they have. So this is uh, the, the way I worded it was they haven't had the opportunity to be bad. They were seeing it as this is an opportunity now. Basically, nothing's going to happen. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to get off scot free. Why don't I just loot this building? Yeah, I'm reminded of uh, a, a scene in the West Wing where uh, the president is actually having some some counselling. Do you remember that 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 point in the it's series? Been years since I've, I've, I've right. watched that. But. And so, right, he has. Well, the president has done over the previous year or two, or whatever. There's 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 been a long running story arc. Where they had um, a foreign dignitary assassinated, okay, Abdul Sharif um, of the uh, imaginary country Kumar um, was uh, was was assassinated because he was a terror kingpin, and they managed to foil a couple of plots, but he was responsible for loads of death and all this kind of stuff. So they had him bumped off by uh, you know special forces or whatever, and he feels bad about it. The president feels bad about it. He's having a moral dilemma, and he, but he asks uh, Adam Arkin plays his uh, uh, counselor. He says, if there was, uh, you know, if, if you could break one law, what would it be? And he just goes, I would park wherever I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and I always remember that as just being an absolutely fantastic, fantastic response. Obviously, he doesn't just go to I'll murder someone or anything like that. He goes to something that's just really, really inconvenient. But he says, no, you wouldn't, but you wouldn't rob a bank. He's like, no, of course not. And that's the boundary for me. It's like... Victimless crime, parking somewhere, um, yeah, within reason, um, but not not paying your taxes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But not robbing a bank, not murdering someone, anything, yeah, yeah. Like, anything like that. Um, that there are there are moral judgments to be made. And again, we've talked about how laws can be bad, and it's morally right to not uphold the law or even to outwardly defy the law. Um, I would say there are some situations that right now uh, that are, that are, come up mm. with that. But I'm 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 all for personal responsibility. So of course, um, you know, if someone is if someone is inciting you, it's your responsibility not to be incited. Yes, and we should react the same way. Provocation. We yes, should react the same way to people inciting violence. The, to you know, to the same way that we react to Darren Grimes interviewing David Starkey. Yeah, you know, it, it's you know, there's there's, there's this, all this kind of rush to condemn that. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's okay for you to get incited. I, yeah, I was incited. It's, it's his fault, not mine. 
and just takes responsibility. It's an abdication of responsibility. So yes. I'm, I'm a free speech absolutist. Well, and and again, what it what it does is it's uh, it, it, it's everyone's it, it's everyone else's fault. It's not mine. It, it, it's never my fault. Yeah. No, um, and for, for people for people listening, there are there are people because you always hear, you know, particularly on Twitter and on the news and stuff, everybody says, "Well, nobody's advocating for absolute free speech." Nobody's yeah, got, no, no, nobody's, nobody's saying that. We are. Look over here. Yes, yes, they are. Yeah. Um, the same way that the people say, "Well, nobody's advocating for a, a completely free market." Wrong again. Yeah, <laughs> we do. We do exist. You know, there might only be two of us, but you know, pe- people with the with principles. Yeah, do do exist. Moral principles. Anyway, you you wanted to br- yeah. move it on to something. Do you, would you like some more of this delicious? I, I, I really do because I've amazing. been enjoying this a lot. Um, so while you pour, uh, yeah, it, it felt like a good moment to move to, to move over. Um, and we were talking about governments having all the power. Whoever's whoever's in government can do can do whatever they like. And um, I know that that's what a lot of people... Yeah, I'll have a, I'll have a spot of water. Thank you. Um, uh, that was a concern um, I know of uh, from people if, um, if Jeremy Corbyn and John McDonnell got in power, for example, at the last election, was that they would you know, immediately rewrite the rules so that they couldn't be voted out. You know, those kind of, those kind of things that communists do in order to, in order that's, to stay that's in power. That's communism 101, isn't yes, it? Yes, exactly. Um, and even though we'll joke... To, to, to free speech. To free speech. Thank you. I hope, hope we don't get cancelled. I mean, it's kind of impossible to cancel us anyway, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Ah, lovely. Um, on, on, on the concept that governments and whoever's in power can do whatever they like. You said, what, like, like, like to everyone in the houses. Like, I haven't done maybe the homework I need to for this specifically, but I want to get your take on it. The original plan before the Ferguson model and, and millions of deaths and all that kind of nonsense, was largely on what maybe the Great Barrington Declaration is saying is saying now. This idea of, what is it, focused protection? Protect the vulnerable? Yeah. Um, and then it all, you know, all went to pot and suddenly everyone's being locked down. But in fact, uh, you know, we, we recommended that our parents... Um, uh, locked down for 12 weeks we, we we waded up we didn't know all the facts at that particular point in time this was way before the end of March obviously there was a couple of weeks wasn't there before then when yeah, sure. it had and, already and, been recommended that people over a certain age well I mean and dad, dad wasn't of that age but he had so many health conditions that it was it was just yes. you know you, you don't take any chances we'll look after you we'll do shopping for you yeah. we'll do everything just we, we you, did, don't, don't you worry we did invoke the precautionary principle yeah. at that particular point within weeks they agreed with us that it was all nonsense, <laughs> but that's where that's where you, you, take, you take the chance initially, and then when 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 new evidence comes out, it's like it's actually not that bad. Okay, you know, it, exa- exactly. Let's um, see you again. It, it, exactly, but I I think that one of the reasons they didn't do it. This is just a theory. One of the reasons that they didn't because they never put the the twelve week old and infirm into law. Uh, it was just we we think you should do this now. When I it came think to the lockdown, I know where you're going with this. I think they did a lockdown of everyone because of the Equalities Act 2010, and they didn't want to be seen to be discriminating against. Not to be seen, it would have been against the law. It would have clashed directly with the Equalities Act on undergrounds of age discrimination, and I think also disability discrimination. 
as well, because you're talking about people that have been sent messages from the HS saying, no, you are clinically vulnerable. And let's, let's be fair, that is, I, 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 I agree that we shouldn't, you know, if, I, if I'm old and fit, why should I be discriminated against? Yep. By, you know, if, if, it's, if it's people over the age of 70, then, then damn right, I don't want Can to. we talk about the 83-year-old woman on the BBC oh, she's clip? she's amazing. That is amazing. doing the rounds that my hero, <laughs> everything she said, I don't often, um, I don't often do the audio on videos on Twitter. No, I did. I, I played and, the audio. And I, 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 I watched the, the subtitles uh, on this clip and then immediately went round for a second go with the audio on. I, know. I just wanted to hear her speak. I, I was exactly the same. I, I, I remember kind of watching it and thinking, you know what, I need to hear how she's actually saying this. So I kind of rewound it, put the volume up. and, and Yeah, it. when Amazing. she's saying she doesn't give a sod. <laughs> when she's saying at the end, I'll be dead. <laughs> Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd, brilliant. If you haven't, if you haven't watched this, haven't listened to it. There's some. There's some I've retweeted it. It's only yeah, it's only about a minute long, but there are a couple yeah. of great issues talking about. Okay, who's going to pay for it? I'm, I'm not because it's I'm, the I'm young. Gonna be, I'm going to be dead. Then. And she was so she's 83 years old, and she was saying that you need to protect the vulnerable. That doesn't include me. Yeah, I don't <laughs> give a sod. I'm fine. I don't give a sod. But protect people who want to be protected. Yes. Common sense. Make it vol- Make it voluntary. They're, no, I agree with everything she said, but I think. I think that's the other reason why they. I don't, I don't think it's got anything to do with the. With I mean, obviously, nothing has got to do with the science, the science, or any science, or any evidence at all. We know this. But I, I, I genuinely think that when they're in cabinet, someone's saying, "You can't possibly change the laws and the regulations and the restrictions to only cover people of a certain age or people of a certain um, ability." Because that's against the law. We would have to repeal parts of the Equalities Act or the whole Act in order to get this stuff through. So even though they've got these emergency powers, they politically have decided not to do that, even though it potentially is the right thing to do. And obviously you and I wouldn't want it in law, but I don't even think they want to do it in law. Whereas there's nothing in the Equalities Act... This is where it's interesting, isn't it? When you talk about the protect, if you come across the Qualities Act in, in professional life, protected characteristics. Oh, God. If you wanted to get me on a rant, it's the Equalities Act. Terrible, terrible piece of legislation. Um, again, if you're talking about intent and all this kind of stuff, it's, it's, it's just awful. But there's nothing to do with where you live, there's nothing to do with your economic background, there's nothing to do with where you're born, there's nothing to do with your region of the country. And so they can just. Plop a law that says if you're in Greater Manchester, you're locked down. If you're in Leicester, you're locked down. If you're in Scotland, you're in the central belt, you're locked down and all your freedoms are removed. None of these restrictions are against the Equalities Act at Okay, all. there's a massive assumption that they didn't want to do a lockdown there, though. And the, the, you, the, the assumption there is that they wanted to lock down old people but were unable I, to. I'm sceptical of that. I I'm, not, think, I'm not sure either way. But I'm I'm I'm, I'm skeptical. I think it's I think it's a factor. I think it's a factor, and I and I, I don't think they want to get into the argument. I don't think anyone's pulling them up on it. But there are those people who advocate for discriminating based on age. They're not even throwing back at them. I don't think I just don't think they want to have the argument. They're not even throwing back at them. How could you be so ageist? You know, Matt Hancock today tweeting a, a video. It's I don't know if you see. It's the worst piece of propaganda. And I, and I say this knowing of all the other rubbish, you know, the, the, the stuff talking about if you just go to the park, you're going to kill people. I mean, that was pretty bad. This is a video, you know, an expensively shot 
montage of clips of, of youngish people all talking about how they've got, you know, long COVID or whatever it's termed. They've got post-viral fatigue. You've had post-viral fatigue. I've had post-viral fatigue. You know, you had, um, you had swine flu. Yeah, it's rough. It goes away after a few weeks. It's I, not great. But I had glandular fever. It. It, like, yeah. Yeah, the the yours recovery probably, was months. Yours was pretty worse. Yeah, mine was, yeah. Mine was really not me. Especially two was, months. I had it at age, uh, at age 30. I was very old for having glandular fever. Um, and so it, it, it hit me really hard. It took, it took months. I, 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 was, I, think I was going to bed at 8 o'clock at night and stuff for, 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 for weeks and months. It was, it was, it was awful. Um, but that's, that's what viruses can do to you. And it doesn't happen to everyone. It happens to a small number of people. And so just picking on the tiny number of people that have got this, his tweet said, this virus doesn't discriminate. Yes, it does. I mean, that is... I mean, that's a lie. That, it, he knows it does. The graphs will show it does. The reason schools are open is because it does. Well, what's the but av- this was the biggest piece of What's the average age of someone who's died from it? Uh, 83 over the age of... Uh, over the average age of death. I mean, statistically, it sounds like COVID-19 prolongs your life. <laughs> when you look at it statistically... <laughs> you know, you can, if, you, if you're going to use statistics to, to do these things... You Especially know, if you're a smoker. Smokers don't tend to get it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna be, you're, you're gonna be longer. You're gonna be protected from COVID by being a smoker. Yeah, but then you're gonna die early because you want to get COVID because it prolongs your life. <laughs> you know, you want to take, you know, and if you don't want to get COVID, then you want to take up smoking now because you get protected against COVID. That's short-term thinking. You need to get COVID <laughs> because you, oh, anyway, it's um, yeah, it's 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 utterly utterly ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, they're, they're out there now saying this doesn't discriminate when it does. It does. Lots of viruses do. Lots of illnesses and diseases. Well, let's let's do. just go back to what you suggested before about protecting the you know the elderly and, and people with. And look, I I believe that should be voluntary. But yeah, people who want help. That's yeah. that's the thing. If you're if you're yeah. old and you don't want help because you're fit and healthy, like this eighty three year old woman. I've got I've got lots of neighbours who are in their seventies yeah. and eighties. I got accused, and, uh, and they're fine. I got accused by Ryan Bourne last week of, uh, of 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 advocating that no one should get any healthcare because of this. Okay, now just because I don't think that the NHS is the right way of delivering healthcare to people, it doesn't mean that I don't want it to deliver healthcare to people while it's the state sanctioned and controlled method it's, of health it's normally it's normally the socialists who accuse you of wanting people to die in the streets and, and you don't want roads to be built and oh, for this it was it was the neoliberals they're, they're, they're getting closer together aren't they the neoliberals and the socialists and the communists are getting yeah they're getting, getting closer yeah but then, anyway so going back to that kind of protecting protecting people who want to be protected yeah and you could you, there, there might be some criteria you might have to have like a you know, I mean, obviously, you know, someone judging it. In our ideal world, this would be purely voluntary. So you and I would be paying into charities, and and we would trust the charity to to you know, to look after people. They probably wouldn't be called charities. Let's face it. Yeah, they'd, they'd, they'd be. I don't actually like the term charity in this in this sense. It's almost like to me, I've not really explored this before, but I kind of almost believe that in a free market there isn't there isn't any charity. But that's not because people don't give. It's that it's that it's it's seen as something that's worth that's worth doing you are getting something back for it you're helping someone else i mean that is the definition of charity but at the moment the fourth sector is a it's a 
it's an odd states kind of entity anyway. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it does. It but that side, it, it doesn't behave well because lots of these big charities get state, you know, state aid, and charity doesn't have a, a you know a good name as no. it is. But put, putting that aside, you pay, we pay for some institution, and, and that institution probably have a list of criteria. It might be okay. It might be yes. say uh, you can apply for or, you know for, for a grant, for example, to help you or you know or, or some some help to do your shopping and stuff, and you automatically get it if you have. One of these diseases, or you're yeah. in certain, you know, certain have certain physicality, yeah. or you're over the age of seventy or whatever. You know, there'd be some some criteria. Um, but even even you know that that would happen in our ideal world. If even under a, like a government state run system, yeah. they could have something similar where it's like if you have this 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 or this, or if you're above a certain age, or if you have these conditions. Uh, you can you can apply to get help. Well, early on they did do food packages and stuff. I don't know they're for still sure. doing yeah, that for sure. Yeah. And it would be food packages. It could be it could be you know people helping with the shopping, people support. doing this, any any kind of support. Yeah. And we we will enable you to stay in if you want to. Yes. To be honest, I I I, I would you know I, I wouldn't advocate that you get checked up on. To, to in order to no, to you could get all your food packages and still be going out. <laughs> yeah, I, I would just say, look, you know what? This is going to be cheaper than 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 any other option. Just give them their food packages. Least worst. If they want to, if they want to go out and you know, then and, and they're eighty five years old and get their, their food shopping paid for, just go. That's basically a price just, worth. Just paying. go with it. Yeah, you know, just, just, just. But it would be a price worth paying for the people privately paying into this into this. Into exactly. This if you know, if everyone else is going to be kept free, but, but as you then say, just do it that way. So you wouldn't actually even have to enforce the lockdown. No. On, on these people, you just no. need to give them all the be- you know, all, all the help they would need to be and able to advice. lock down. If they wanted to, yes, and that would be far, far cheaper than anything else well, that we've done. Right, but even if all they did, okay, was take the money that has been spent and is is being spent on the track and trace pro, uh, program and Te- the NHS and trace, I think, isn't app, it? track and trace is Royal Mail. <laughs> Everybody calls it track and trace. Is that what I've been calling it? I think it's test and test trace. Test and trace. Track and trace is when you do like yeah. recorded delivery and you go to the so track you put and your trace digit number in. Yeah. I think Royal Mail track and trace might be more effective than the NHS I test had, and I trace. Had a, I had a contract with well with the post office, and that's saying something. I mean, they are they are so much still a public sector. You know, it's, it's yeah. yeah. That was before it got part privatized, wasn't it? Though when you worked uh, there, I or was it not? No, this I was think after it, I Vince think Cable got his hands on it. I'm not sure. No, when was it? It was 2004. I think it was 2004. Oh, yes, it's way before. It's way before. It was coalition government when it got part privatised. Of course it was. So yeah. you were in the height of it being state-owned, public-owned, public-owned. We owned, we owned it, the people. It was rubbish. Anyway, take 20 billion quid, use that money to support... The people you who could, voluntarily you want it. Give, Think how much money you give could, everyone a million quid. You could give every pensioner. They could. They could. They could live a life of Riley, couldn't mm. they? For, for cheaper than that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Utter. Utter nonsense. Think of. Think of all the. Think of all the. the you know. The, the, all the help you could give to, to disabled people, for example, yes. who, who kind of need this kind of help anyway. Yes. Um, you know, totally. You could just give it to them. You know, you you'll have, you've got a hard enough have. job as it is. We will do all that, all your shopping for you. We'll come and help you out. We'll do all this stuff for you. So you, you can lock down if you want to. Yes. Here you go. Fill your boots. And this is where, and I know you know that the greenies uh, are already starting to use this this kind of argument. If the government can do this because of a virus, 
the government could do this because of climate change. Thank you very much. And that, that that's obviously an angle that taking. You know, we won't go back to the old normal. Oh no, yeah. reset, build back better. Yeah, if you can do it, for, if you can do it for five minutes, you can do it forever. Yep, exactly. Uh, so there's that. But I have a great deal of sympathy um, for people uh, that, as you say, like the disabled, like disabled people who. When you look at the numbers, the amount of money that would be involved that is a drop Peanuts. in the ocean. That, as you say, everyone with a disability, a yeah, legitimate disability in this country, could live in a palace for the amount of money that's been spent on this and that we'll be, our kids and our kids' kids will be, will be paying for. It, that's a scandal when this is just a virus. And I, and I say that, or rather, this is just a respiratory virus. This is not Ebola. This is not the plague. We don't. We don't need your description. Of Sorry Ebola again after after last week. I may have got like a, a trigger warning <laughs> on the last podcast. Yeah, I may have got a bit far before. Um, but uh, but this right, right and I'm, so I'll, I'll I'll say it now. Um, it, it it might be out by the time this podcast go, goes live. Um, uh, I'm a I'm a uh, I'm a patron of uh, of James Dellingpole with Dellingpod and with his not my spectator um, column. Okay, I uh, have been for some time. When I cancelled the spectator, um, I I ploughed my money instead into funding uh, into funding the Dellingpod and the stuff that James Dellingpole does. And I recommend it. I recommend it to everyone. It, uh, honestly, it does feel good. It, actually, when I see my money go out, I go. I know that's going to a good cause. <laughs> okay. And I really believe that. But the last, the, the, the podcast that I have access to, because you get early access, I didn't do it because of this, but I do get early access to the podcast. So for the last couple of days, um, Mike Yeadon has been on the podcast, okay? And it's brilliant. It's one of the longest podcasts he's done. He basically, Mike Yeadon basically just monologues the whole time, okay? But that's not a bad thing, okay? It is brilliant. He goes into viruses so well. <laughs> a bit like one of ours. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah. Hey, 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 hey. Um, but I, honestly, when this comes out, if, if, if you don't go and spend the money and uh, and subscribe on Patreon to uh, to the Delling Pod, wait a couple of days, listen to Mike Eden, spend uh, nearly two hours, listen to this guy, okay? Because he talks about viruses. He's He is an expert. He's got the credentials. And... And he'll put your mind at ease. Or, or in the case of when I listen to it, and, and I've already been saying to people, you've got to listen to this. Everything that we have been thinking and saying and assessing since right at the beginning is all true. <laughs> it's, all, it's all correct. You get someone like this who starts saying, you go, yes, that's... As, as someone who is engaged in the information and assessing the evidence... Those are the conclusions that I came to, and here's an immunologist of note who's, who's, who's run stuff in the private sector, who's done, who's done stuff in big pharma and not, who is a scientist, is saying all this stuff. So I recommend everyone listen to that. I don't often advocate so strongly that someone should listen to another particular edition of a podcast, but I truly think it's important that everybody listens to Mike Yeadon on The Dulling Pod. I was just I was just casting my mind back actually to when kind of COVID was first first coming around. Yeah, um, I listened back to some of our early stuff, right, to see whether or not we were in well, any way bedwetty. Well, well, I was I was just thinking this this is one of the and and you know we're, we're not right all the time, 
Um, yeah, absolutely. With, particularly with things like this, in the, the when the facts could, change, it could have been the virus could have been more serious than we thought. Yes, you know, and I would just I would, to, to to be clear, but we didn't just get lucky here. No, no. no. So to, to, to be clear, I would still advocate for absolute freedom because under those circumstances, if the virus is worse than we thought, we wouldn't need this lockdown is, because people would do it already. Yes. But I, I, I was just casting my mind back to what I was doing in those kind of early days, you know, kind of February, March. And I was, so I had, a, I had a contract in London. I was going to London, or most days, I was kind of working. Yeah, you were coming to the end of your contract. I was coming to the end of my contract, but I, but I had a contract in, in, uh, in London, um, based uh, in, it was just, it was just off, it was close to Tottenham, it was close to Tottenham Court Road, go past, and it, you kind of walk down Tottenham Court Road, go down. Oxford Street a little bit, and it was on the way to Chinatown. Right, um, literally right next door. Yeah. So I remember everyone kind of you know kind of going on about the virus, and uh, and there was talk of like kind of you know kind of Chinese restaurants were struggling, so I was kind of wandering down to Chinatown because I didn't think anything of it and kind of buying Chinese takeaways. Right. To try and support <laughs> to try and support Chinese businesses. Um, because they were they were struggling, yeah. Um, so I would kind of go and get a Chinese. Well, yeah, because there was an early you know, bring well, it home, call it call it racism, whatever. Yeah, there was an early kind of backlash against China, wasn't there? Yes. Yeah. So so yeah, I'd, I would kind of wander down to Chinatown after work and, and pick up takeaways and, and bring them back to China. Yeah, because yeah, I don't want my some of my favourite restaurants to go under. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, this is one of the, one of the, one of the ones that we you know we we we've got right. Uh, and it's, it's not to say that the, the information, you know, we could have we could have been privy to, you know, to, to, to misinformation or whatever. We could have got it wrong. It could have been more serious. To me, um, what I was generally looking at is the was the death figures specifically. Well, we were getting death figures out of China still, uh, but the death figures um, coming out of Italy. And they kept saying, you know, we were supposed to be what four weeks behind Italy, three weeks behind Italy, or, or whatever. And all the figures came out, and they were all. Old people, really old people dying. And this was before you got the comorbidities and stuff like that out. But they were all really, really old people dying. And, and, and people, you know, people under the age of, of, of 45, 65, they, they weren't really dying in any large numbers. And knowing, at that point, I knew on average how many people died. Well, yeah, <laughs> and I put, I, so I, I was I, able to immediately put it into context. And I kind of knew flu numbers as well. So yes. I remember thinking, well, this, these are the sorts of people that are, if they get the flu, they're going to they're exactly. it as well. And so we put that stuff together. Um, and, and yeah, there was, there, was that, there was that risk that it was going to explode in a, in a different way. And even though that was the stuff happening in Italy and China, it was going to be, it was going to be different. But by the time of the lockdown, by the by by March the twenty third, I should show it to you. I did a presentation to our staff. We already reached the peak by that point. I'd done a presentation to my staff with of all the numbers from around the world to try and convince them that they were going to be fine. I mean, I've been proved right, but yeah, by 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 the lockdown, I was I was convinced um, that that this was that this was going to be fine, and I. I I mean, at that point, then I was making political predict- pre- predictions on Boris of doing the three weeks and then, or maybe even after two, going, right, look, it's already coming down. It's already coming down. So we've already done the right thing. We have already protected the NHS and it was the Tory party that did it. Look, we've built these, ni- the Nightingale hospitals are being built right now. So if it does carry on for a long time, then we have expanded the capacity of the NHS. He wasn't able to do that because he was in intensive care. He got it himself, didn't he? So there was none of that. You didn't see, any, didn't see or hear from him for weeks. Not very much, anyway. 
I, I'll only get onto a rant if we if we go down this path. I was hoping this was going to be a free speech podcast and nothing about COVID, and, and we've, we've, we've kind of come onto it. That's fine. But I did want to bring up the concept of discrimination law because it just kind of struck me that one of the reasons why they can't put the restrictions down in law, and they like the law. If, if they wanted to do it voluntarily, it's not a problem. But um, by putting down a law... Uh, an, a statutory instrument with the with the regulations in that said anything over anyone over a certain age or or with a certain disability or whatever i'm I'm pretty sure it would be unlawful and they wouldn't be able to do it and I think that's one of the reasons why they haven't gone down the kind of great Barrington uh, kind of way of doing it I mean yeah they want the power they want to lock people down they 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 don't care they're not using evidence but I think it's a factor I think you're probably right that's probably a good time to, to wrap it up. Yeah. Um, I just want to say thanks. So, firstly, thanks again to uh, Lord Biddable for this amazing scotch. Um, Paul Seal on uh, on Twitter. Yeah, but if you search for Lord Biddable of Wonk, I'm sure he's the only one on there. Um, so, so, thank you very much. Uh, thanks to everyone who's sharing as well. And I, I know we said it at the beginning, but the only thing we want you to do is just to just to share it with your friends and, and, and Listen family. Listen and-, and enjoy and uh, yeah, uh, well, look, um, we like we like hearing from you on on, on Twitter. That's where that's where we both are. Uh, our, our our Twitter handles and links and stuff are on our website. Yeah, well, you, you, com. yeah. If you go, if you go to the website, you can comment on any episodes or blog yep. posts or whatever, or just drop us an email.